the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Another day, another dollar. Markets hit an all-time high yesterday. Markets hit an all-time high today. It doesn't always go this well. It doesn't always go this smoothly. Last year in the fourth quarter, things looked like we were heading towards a bear market. Kind of turned the corner, though. Joining me now to talk a little bit about markets all-time high, CFP Chad Burton, newfocusfinancial.com. How are you, Mr. Burton? Doing well, doing well. How about you? Doing well. Now, again, yesterday I looked at my portfolio on my e-money. I said, woohoo, all-time high. Took a picture shot, uh, posted it with my password, uh, puppy puppy one, two, three. Uh, I feel pretty good about myself. <laughs> puppy puppy, kid's name, kid's name, wife's name, date of birth. There you go. I heard you go crazy on passwords one day, so I thought I'd pick on you. Um, I know, I know. I heard you. <laughs> anyway, all-time high. It feels good. Should I gloat? Should I move on? Well, I'll move on. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting, though. I mean, we've had quite a run since June 1st, if you think about it, because you know, the market is up over 20% year-to-date. And when you hear that number, that's from January. When you ever hear the term year-to-date or YTD, it's always for referring from January 1st to now. Um, but if we look back one full year, when we were sitting at the end of May, the market was actually flat for a year. So like right around June 1st, you're looking back 12 months, your one-year return on the S&P 500 was zero. Okay. Um, and then we started having a whole bunch of earnings revisions showing that, okay, the earnings reports are going to come in showing negative results. So a decline in earnings on a year-over-year basis from, um, you know, this time last year. And so it kind of made sense that the market was sitting flat, yet boom, you know, here we are. We, we, we moved from June up, you know, I don't know, what, 12% or so? Okay. At that point in time, um, even though earnings are coming in as a blend, slightly negative, you got like three sectors doing really well, three sectors doing really bad, and the rest are kind of flat because everybody's recovering from this tax cut, right? And the comparables the prior year. But I mean, look, it's there's this idea that Milton Friedman came out with this economic model called the Plucking Model back in 1964. And it, it's the idea is that the economy is like a string on a musical instrument. Recessions are negative events that pull the string down, and then it bounces back. So the harder you pull or the worse the recession or the negative event is, the longer and harder the bounce back. And so that's kind of come true. We had that big correction last year. Technically, it wasn't a bear market for the S&P. I still call it one because small caps were down you know, 25% or so. But it all bounced back. And the big bounce back that's occurred since the top of the market in 2007, it makes sense that the recovery, the upswing is much longer and harder than previous ones because the, the Great Recession was tough. I mean, you and I both lived through it. We, the tech correction was nothing, right, compared to 
the Great Recession where all asset classes fell. Tech correction, it was like, okay, real estate, small cap value, bonds, some international value, we're all doing fine. It was the tech stocks that got hammered. When it was the Great Recession, everything came down, and now we've had this great recovery. And that's okay because you're going to spend 70% of your time at market all-time highs and because the market's positive seven out of every 10 years on average when you look back 20, 30 years. So retirees should rejoice on this nice upswing. But also, what should you be doing? Well, you got to have your three years worth of portfolio draws in cash if you're in retirement. So it's a great time when you look at a run-up like this, 12-plus percent since June 1st. They say, how much cash did I spend? And maybe you should peel off some gains and replenish that cash so you're always preparing. Chad, I got an email, and let me just mention we do have a big event coming up Thursday, November 14th, 6.30 to 8.30, Doubletree by Hilton Hotel. It's in uh, on Airport Boulevard. It's super easy to get to. It's all about income and retirement, portfolios and retirement, accumulation, social security strategies, good products, bad products. I did, I did get an email. People can sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com, and use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. Plus, there's a lot of good downloads there. But I want to hit this email because it ties into what we're talking about. Michelle sent an email this morning saying, stop being so negative about getting to retirement. You're not going to get listeners that way. Why not help people that need help? You just said we're at an all-time high, and yet all the studies, all the Fidelity stuff, all the USA Today articles, all the, the polls say Americans aren't ready for retirement. Yeah, I mean, you see anywhere from basically 65 to 70% of baby boomers are not prepared to retire at 65. Um, so, I mean, we just talked about it. I think I just talked about it on the morning show where, you know, if you get to that point, you're 40, 50 years old and you haven't started saving yet, stop going out and looking for trading seminars and, you know, the next great stock to buy, the best fund manager to buy and, you know, some crazy real estate deal, your investment should be in your training. You should say, okay, I realize that now that I'm going to have to work till I'm like 75 years old and I don't have enough extra cash flow to save and live in the Bay Area. So what should I invest in? A way to get into a different line of business, right? Some other training that you can get into so that your body can handle working 70, 75 years old, which is not a big deal. Um, you know, that's still young now, right? I mean, people are living until they're over 100 years old in retirement. So invest in your biggest asset, and that's your ability to earn money. Um, and then make better decisions. I mean, it, I just hammer on people all the time that I know make less than they drive much better cars. They take way better vacations. Um, they drink much more expensive coffee. And so it's, it's sometimes it's about personal choices, too. So... I get what she's saying, though. Sometimes we kind of joke about it maybe a little bit too much and, and depress people, but it's kind of meant to open people's eyes more than anything else. What do you think about, about a man being killed in a Maryland Popeyes in a fight for a popular chicken sandwich? Oh, man, it's uh, like Christmas at Walmart's come early, I guess. I, know, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Didn't you so- hear about that one yet? Yeah, it's, it's all over the news. Um, so people can get a contact of your podcast um, by going to newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com. They can subscribe for it there. But they could also get signed up for the seminar at uh, under events at newfocusfinancial.com. Use code RADIO25. We've got about 22 minutes left. Is there anything else we need to hit on? Well, again, you know, we 
we can always celebrate. Like seventy percent of the time, these market all-time highs, but the market is is up a lot since June. So looking at portfolios to rebalance, great idea. Um, and and there's pockets right now. So there's been over the last month, um, and I don't make investment decisions, major ones, over a month period of time. But I've been talking a lot about the difference between value and momentum-based investing. And over the last month, value stocks are up 8%. Momentum stocks are flat. So you're starting to see that rotation occur. And also, emerging markets and international is up about 2.5% more than the S&P 500 over the last month or so um, on this this bump up. So it's a great time to just look at everything. You're towards the end of the year. Tax issues, rebalancing issues, it's a good time to review. How about that? We're towards the end of the year again. Crazy how fast time goes. You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. You can come meet him in person uh, at the event. It's going to be coming up a couple Thursdays from now, Thursday, the 14th of November. It's the last event of the year. It's a good event to get your head on straight for 2020, minimizing taxes, transitioning your portfolio, accumulation income, retirement strategies, uh, 401k, how to draw down. These are all big questions. And we turned 50 times running out, so it's it's time to get in sooner than later. See New Focus Financial in Burlingame at the Doubletree by Hilton, Thursday, 6.30, last event of the year. You can sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. Thanks, Chad. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or kdow.biz. So Kate Bush did this song in 1985. I can't tell if this is Kate Bush or not. I feel like I'm getting old. It's not, so it's a remake. Did you know that Kate Bush was a witch? And she couldn't fly in planes because of it? <laughs> I love stories like that. So big seminar coming up November 14th, 630, It's all about income and retirement. And I do want to tie together a couple of emails. I did get an email from Michelle this morning saying, stop being so negative about getting to retirement. You're not going to get listeners that way. I don't really care if I get listeners. I'm ready to retire whenever it's time to retire. I'm ready to go away. What I want to do is be honest with people and say a lot of you aren't ready for retirement. And it's alarming. I did a show yesterday on television where I talked about how many people who are 75 years old, it'll be about 20% of of 75-year-olds will be working. That's an alarming number to me. It's not upsetting, but I got an email yesterday from someone who saw the spot on TV and said earlier you told a woman about never being able to retire, that she's not alone, that you know, there's more people in their 60s and 70s who are continuing to work. And again, Chad brought up, be healthy. His mom's in her 70s, and she's a fitness nut. So he knows what he's talking about. My mom's in her 80s, and she's had a couple strokes and is waiting to die. We all age differently. I'm 48, so says this person who emailed me yesterday, Joseph. So how is my generation doing? I made nothing but mistakes, so I, too, will be working until I die. I've been living with my elderly parents for a few years now, and since I'm not tech-savvy, the only way I see out of this situation is to move out of California and start over in a less priced, overpriced state. Yeah, Joseph, you may want to move to a, a less overpriced state for sure. Now, again, it depends on what you're doing. If you're doing DMV work, move to a cheaper state. If you're a tech engineer, consider staying with your parents and buying a home that you may want to retire into in Arizona or Florida. I'm only using those as examples. 
Those are retirement communities that have low, low taxes. But my job isn't to lie to you. My job isn't to sugarcoat it. My job is to, you know, hopefully some days I'll get, woohoo, look at this stock I own. I own Apple. Like, and I tell you why I own it. And I own Nike and I own Disney and I tell you why I own it. All of them is sitting at 52-week highs or near 52-week highs. I talk about capitalism in the S&P 500 and how that should be your number one holding in your 401k. It's, I do the positives. I do the work. I don't just dwell on the negatives. I'm not selling fear. But if you're 48 and you've done nothing, you're going to work till the day you die. That's just how it is. Social Security is going to be maybe 18000 Go to ssa.gov, punch in your Social Security number, and figure out what you're estimated to get and start thinking in 10 years. Because when you're 48, let's say you work till 60. Assume 65. Maybe aim for 70. Run some scenarios. Maybe your parents, he says he's living with his elderly parents. So if he's 48, they're at least 68 if they had kids at 20. So he, he knows he's going to live probably till 68. Now, his parents may be 78, and you could say that's the assumption. So you, you got to start just being honest with yourself. What you don't want to do is start getting crazy and going after the Ubers of the world because you want the next sexy IPO. It doesn't usually work like that. For instance, right now, I'm taking a look at McDonald's because it's at a seven-month low when it was at a 52-week high not that long ago because the CEO, Steve Easterbrook, was ousted for having a consensual relationship with an employee. In this day and age, that's not going to fly. There's great continuity with their CEO, the new CEO coming in. He's already done a great job uh, running North America, and uh, people are pretty comfortable with him. So I'm looking at it as maybe that's a buying opportunity. Do I think McDonald's is going to be my retirement stock that gets me there faster sooner than later? No, but it's the one that's sitting in front of me today that says, this looks kind of obvious. Not every day do stocks fall in your lap and say, hey, look at me. Sometimes they're roaring higher. And again, could Uber become the next Facebook? It could, but I'll be honest with you. There's no difference between Uber Eats and DoorDash, and that freaks me out. And when it comes down to Lyft or Uber, uh, maybe I feel a little more reliable. Until that area starts to consolidate, there's no way to invest. It's a commodity. You can watch the pricing and the promotions to see if they're slashing prices and killing each other. Freight will be a great story for Uber, but Uber Eats isn't going to be a great story for Uber. So Uber's got some tricks up their sleeves, and yes, they've got some financing situations where they're paying drivers in real time. Sweet. That's cute. I get it. 21st century. Why not? But you can't try to hit a home run just because you've, you've done poorly in your life. So yeah, if you're 48 years old and living with your parents, you're getting rent-free right now. You should be stocking up some money. And if you're not, you're doing something crazy wrong. Most of the people I know who have lived in California their whole lives, in some way, shape, or form, are tied towards their parents' home. Very few people do I know that are native Californian that have lived here forever that aren't somehow tied to their parents' home. I know people who work in radio. There was a, a person who worked at KJ. Her name's Kim. She's just basically living in her parents' home, waiting for them to die, and then she's going to take it over, and maybe one day her kid will take it over. She works as a bartender. She couldn't possibly afford to, to pay rent if it wasn't already a paid-for house. Job openings in the United States hit their lowest level in 18 months, but are still well ahead of total vacancies. That's interesting. U.S. service companies' growth rebounds in October. That's nice. 
Peloton. They reported a loss of $50 million in the first quarter. Their revenues doubled to $228 million. I have a tough time seeing this as anything other than expensive gym equipment. I get that there's a social aspect to it. I get that there's an Apple kind of luxury item to it. But I see a lot of my friends on Facebook start with their Peloton, and then a couple months later, they're not quite doing it as much. So they're losing money. They've connected with their fitness subscribers. They've defined a Peloton user as one with a paid subscription. They're expecting revenue of $1.4 billion to $1.5 billion. They're trying to grow connected fitness subscribers. I don't know. I, is this what puts gyms out of business? I don't know. Boeing CEO Dennis Mullenberg gets a vote of confidence. He offered to forego bonuses for the whole year. I think that is about appropriate. It is a very tough situation being a CEO of a company in crisis. Um, and I, I have, I, I don't have the answer to that one. You know, Boeing 737 Max remains grounded after two fatal crashes. What did they know? What did they not know? Can you invest in the company? Can you not invest in the company? If the company makes missiles, do you, are you comfortable with a company that makes missiles? I don't make the answers for you. I just try to say that's going to be an interesting stock one day because they've done everything about right through the crisis. Not completely, but they're in a good position when they come out of it. America loves a hero. America loves tearing down a hero. America loves building back up somebody into a hero. Anyhow, and anyway, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Big seminar coming up on the 14th of November in Burlingame. You can sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Number one mistake a lot of people make is spending too much money on cars, houses, and divorces. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show. Sign up for the seminar at newfocusfinancial.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Super excited, super stoked to talk to Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. Mr. O'Hare, yesterday we hit an all-time high. This morning we hit an all-time high. Does that make your job easier or tougher, would you say? (laughs) Um, you know, it, it makes it uh, challenging um, okay. because obviously it invites the you know the a uh, lot more questions of you know what's next and you know what do you do and uh, can you trust you know this type of move and so uh, so you have to take into account a lot of moving parts and um, and obviously try to distill that into a cohesive viewpoint that um, people can um, can work off of you know and uh, in our best judgment right now, um, you know, we do think that the market is, is set up here for a, a reasonably good uh, end of the year, um, because, uh, and that, that's assuming uh, that the trade dealings don't ultimately turn into the Grinch who stole Christmas. Right. So, we got the trade negotiations that, for better or for worse, and I hate saying it, it looks like they're moving forward slowly and positively. Then we get the Fed, who looks like they're going to stay on the sideline for the foreseeable future or be accommodative. Those are two very positive catalysts going to 2020. Um, is that all we're really working on? Maybe the, are people chasing the market right now? Is there anything else that's keeping us 
uh, pushing higher? Well, Rob, you're touching on uh, on several key things, I think, here, and and are uh, also kind of form this judgment of ours that you know we think the market is set up for a reasonably good end to the year because you know first and foremost you do have a Fed that told us last week that they're not going to be running any interference anytime soon by raising interest rates, right? So, you know, for a market that has feasted on the persistence of low interest rates and a persistently accommodative uh, Federal Reserve, uh, that was an early Christmas gift, right? Um, you, uh, in turn, have what appear to sound like uh, reasonably good uh, trade uh, developments toward reaching this, you know, ballyhooed phase one deal. Uh, that's also improved sentiment. But uh, and then you have a market that is really uh, starting to, uh, you know, embrace this idea that the, the growth outlook, uh, you know, moving ahead is going to be better than than what it was feared to be. And that's why you're starting to see or have been seeing the outperformance of the cyclical sectors this week. And then finally, um, you have a market that uh, is at a record high in the face of a whole lot of negatives, and that resilience is uh, apt to, uh, you know, lead to some performance chasing, as you allude to, into year-end on the part of underperforming money managers who have, uh, who've, you know, taken to the sidelines for the most part or, or have not chosen to be overweight this market, uh, given all those negatives, and yet, uh, that, yet the market is uh, running away from them at this point. I don't know what portion of my portfolios and in indexes versus stocks. I should actually know that, but it's been a pretty good year, and I feel like... Um, I feel smart for not jumping out of the market, if that makes any sense, because there's always excuses to jump out. There's always reasons, and whether it's the presidency or the international markets or Russia or oil. Uh, there's something to be said to kind of like stay afloat and just go with the flow and maybe be an index. Um, it's pretty good times, right? Well, it is. I mean, you know, you, you certainly have, uh, you know, of course, this argument of like, you know, where else are you going to go to get return, right? Um, okay. You know, and the, and the Fed has been feeding that mentality here, right? And and that, um, you know, that that thinking works, I think, uh, reasonably well, so long as you don't see a, a major deterioration in economic data that pretty much uh, destroys, you know, future earnings prospects. And uh, and that's you know we haven't seen that right. There's there's certainly a slowdown uh, that has unfolded, but uh, but with the consumer still in reasonably good shape, you know, and the economy growing at a a moderate pace here, uh, the market is is sort of just continuing to ride that uh, policy put, and uh, and recognizes that if it wants to get return, it has to um, you know, essentially be invested in the stock market. And so, you know, one thing that, uh, we do have to be careful about though, and, uh, was something I talked about in my big picture column I posted on Friday was, you know, while the makings are there for a, a year end rally, um, you could jump into a euphoric stage based on the Fed's actions. You know, when the Fed's saying we're not going to run any interference, then you kind of, you know, you can get into this mode of like, well, what do we have to, to fear? Right, and so you get the performance chase. You get this uh, this fear of missing out on that next leg higher, and you can see, you know, some parabolic moves that you know ultimately lead to bad things down the road. So we want to be careful about that. And you know, if you get into a period where you have some really uh, fast multiple expansion, um, you know, uh, you could you could see the market then you know move into a corrective stage. But um, you're not there yet. 
um, but it is a risk factor that's out there knowing that um, <clears throat> that the market doesn't seemingly have to fear the Federal Reserve at this point. It's pretty interesting because if we go back in time 25 years and I were to say the 10-year Treasury would be around 1.8%. I would think there'd be calamity, and yet I'm looking at my portfolio, and it's at an all-time high, and I'll take it. Um, sure. Good thing I don't. Good thing I don't own Uber and Shake Shack, though. Two IPOs in the last couple of years, kind of sexy plays. What are your thoughts on their earnings reports and their aftermarket performance? Well, in the case of Uber, you know there were no earnings, right? Fair. So, uh, and that is the I think that's really the issue. And and what we're seeing here, we are seeing a market in what I think is a constructive thing, uh, be more discriminating about uh, about income statements and the lack of profitability uh, in in some of these companies that are obviously putting up some pretty good revenue growth. But at the end of the day, you want you know, you want profits. And, uh, you know, and Uber doesn't have that. And, um, you know, in the case of Shake Shack, it does. But um, Shake Shack was a, uh, has been a very popular uh, story stock in a way, right? It traded at a, at a very rich premium um, because of the strong growth that had been putting up. And, uh, and unfortunately, it kind of uh, failed to deliver on the highest of growth expectations by cutting its, um, uh, its operating margin guidance and also its what it calls same shack uh, sales guidance for, for 2019. And they weren't, you know, significant cuts in and of themselves. But it's the idea that it, it suggests to investors that um, perhaps growth won't be as strong as, as it has been in the past, and therefore you're seeing a valuation reset as a result of that, and, and it's paying a very heavy price, um, you know, having delivered this sort of slower growth message uh, at a time when the market has been more discriminating about uh, companies and growth stocks in particular trading at rich valuations. So let me ask you an easy one as we get down to the final two, three minutes. Is there anything that you're working on right now that we should be focused in on, positive or negative, economic or fundamental? Anything that you're putting together as a future thought as we move towards the end of the year? Well, you know, I'm just I was starting to think about this, uh, you know, this idea that um, – you know, if we get into a mode here where uh, where the economic data f- uh, for the U.S. Does, continues to pull through very well, uh, and and the market uh, can get through uh, this year without any major disruption on the trade front, um, you you could start to see a more meaningful embrace of the of the value trade, right? Which um, you know you have a lot of stocks that have. Um, uh, fallen out of favor or simply have been, you know, bypassed in favor of these growth stocks at a time when the market was thinking that you weren't going to get any growth at all. And uh, but if but if there's a real uh, inflection point in terms of the market's mindset and it really does believe that you're going to get stronger growth in 2020 and beyond, um, you might be able to see a stronger rotation uh, play into the, some of those uh, areas with less demanding valuations that have kind of been left behind in the, in the growth stock rally. Well, I'm super stoked to talk to you in 2020. I know it's not there yet, but we've had a good year, and we'll see if we melt up from here or melt down a little bit as the final two months play out. Thanks for joining me. It's Patrick O'Hare. Absolutely. Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. I start my morning every day with him. It sounds weird. It's something my spouse should know, right? I'm not having breakfast with him, no. But I start my my, my, my trek. It's the page one from Briefing.com. I think he's an outstanding guest. I've worked with him for 20-plus years. Uh, never met him face-to-face. I hope to make that uh, a thing of the past at some point in time. 
You can find out more about briefing.com by going to briefing.com. A great source of both international and domestic uh, strategies and insights into the economies and businesses of the world. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Um, Markets started off in record territory. It looks like we should have a pause that refreshes maybe. I don't know. We're getting out of earnings season. We already have the good news that the phase one deal is being structured. We already have the Federal Reserve saying, we're on your side. We're not going to do anything for the foreseeable future. What's the next catalyst? Wall Street loves a good catalyst. Is it earnings? Well, we're out of earnings. Now we're moving into the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter of last year was a little bit disappointing. Maybe that brings up some fresh wounds. Shake Shack, by the way, has a Grubhub problem. Do you remember when you were sitting around one day and you're like, well, what could I what could I have for dinner? And you look in your fridge, nothing there. You're like, well, maybe I go to a quick service restaurant like a Shake Shack. Or maybe a fast food like a Shake Shack or a quick service restaurant like the local bar and sports uh, pub. Then you're like, no, no, let's just have Grubhub bring it. Shake Shack blamed transitioning to delivery exclusively through Grubhub as reason for softer than expected sales. After years refusing to partner with a third-party aggregator, Shake Shack announced that it would partner with Grubhub to offer delivery to customers in August. They've worked with Postmates, DoorDash, Caviar. They decided solely with Grubhub. There's too many players in this space. But it's also shaking up fast food in a good way maybe i'm rob black talking all things financial don't forget there's another hour of today's show to listen to find it now at kdow.biz or on the kdow radio app i'm rob black talking all things financial money investing and more i try not to gloat i try not to be too positive or negative i try to be moderate in moderation i don't have highs i don't have lows i'm a horrible person in a relationship because of all of these facts I'm great at financial advice and planning. Um, I, I wouldn't call myself an expert, but I try to hold myself to those standards. I'm very proud that I've never been sued. I'm very proud that I've not been in arbitration um, that hurt a client. I'm very proud of these things. You should know that I'm doing my best. This is not an easy task. To put the stock market in your perspective, in your favor, I think was a stroke of genius, where it goes up seven out of 10 years. And I wouldn't be doing this show if the internet didn't happen and start lowering commissions from companies like Fidelity and Charles Schwab and uh, TD Ameritrade and um, Smith Barney, where you had to like charge $400. If we didn't get to $10 commissions and $5 commissions and eventually free commissions, you wouldn't be able to participate in the stock market because the commissions were too high. It used to be an old, and I hate to say this, white boys club. I think a lot of the laws of the Wall Street and Securities and Exchange Commission were written by wealthy white people, a lot of them politicians. And they benefited wealthy white people, not intentionally, I don't think. I'm not that evil of a thinker. But the capital gains taxes and the uh, ability to get into IPOs, a lot of these things benefit people with money. 
And the great game changer was the internet. Maybe the internet changed music. Maybe the internet changed streaming TV. Maybe the internet changed a lot of things. And for the record, my cable modem went out last night, and I'm I, modem's fine. Wireless router's no good, so I couldn't have any TV because everything's on wireless right now. And ah, oh, you get the idea. So I think I've done a pretty good job of trying to get to you information that the market's up seven out of ten years, and you should just play along. Quit trying to be a smarty pants and outthink the market. Stop doing it. Strength today in financials, material, and energy. I don't own a lot of material companies. I'll be honest with you. I own some energy companies because of the dividends. I can clearly state that. If I thought we were getting ready to go on a massive leg up in the economy, I would own energy, a lot more of it. But I kind of feel like the stock market is a little bit of a a washing machine. The one that's in the garage that still keeps washing your clothes. It's not fancy. It doesn't have sensors on it. It doesn't tell you when your clothes are clean. It doesn't do anything fancy. It doesn't call the mechanic. It just keeps working. And it'll eventually break down. It's going to get tired. And when it does, your job is not to go, market's rigged. I can't make money in it. That's your chance to say, sweet, I'm getting an opportunity that hasn't been there in a long time. Treasury yields rise in a curve-steepening trade. U.S. is considered rolling back some tariffs on Chinese imports. The non-manufacturing index, the service index for October, increased more than expected. That means stronger economy. Our economy is mostly services, not as much manufacturing. We don't have Rosie the Riveter going to work. We're a services economy now. More so than ever. I shouldn't say completely. So services way more on our minds when we see those numbers come out. U.S. is considering rolling back the tariff that went into effect September 1 and refraining from imposing any new tariffs on December 15th to get that phase one deal signed. For some reason, that was tough for me to say. Some choppy action in the market today. There's some conferences going on. Bernstein's sixth annual Tech Innovation Summit, where you'll see companies come out with new product and new gadgets, and some tech stocks can move on that news. There's a big healthcare conference going on right now, so you pay attention to the healthcare and biotech companies. Peloton has acquired a company called Gossamer Engineering. There's an activist shopping around at Colgate Palmolive trying to say, hey, this company is worth a lot more money than it's currently worth. We need to shake things up. We need to spin things off. We need to fire people. We need to go private. We don't know what the activist wants. But he's looking at Colgate Palmolive and saying, something to do. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Big seminar coming up. There's a company that's the Tesla of China. I don't like the Tesla of the United States. I love the car company. I like the idea. I don't like the investment. Losing too much money with a man who doesn't really seem to care about how he spends money which is fine. That's how we get disruption. But I don't invest in that. Matson Technologies nearing a fresh 2019 high. I bring that up. I didn't really finish my thought on the Japanese Tesla. I don't want to own the Japanese Tesla. It's a $2 stock. I get it. Or the Chinese Tesla, excuse me. 
See, I can't even come up with the right way of explaining it. It's called NIO, ticker symbol NIO. And they're making relationships and they put out press releases and they talk about autonomous driving. And yeah, maybe one day I'll say, I wish I owned that company because all these Chinese are driving that electric car now. I'd rather own a Chinese index. I don't really trust China. I know that sounds like very old school, like Ronald Reagan, communist bastard kind of guy. No, I I just don't trust China because they have a different form of capitalism than we do. When they want to be communists, they're communists. When they want to be capitalists, they're capitalists. And I don't like that. So I'll own their stock market, maybe. I won't own an individual company from China. And the only one I maybe, maybe, maybe would consider is Alibaba, which is the Amazon of China. China wants the U.S. to make firmer commitments on lifting tariffs. Isn't it funny how they're starting to chisel away what they want? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show.